You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. This is episode 690 of the Dressage Radio Show, official podcast of the United States Dressage Federation on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products. On today's show, we are going to learn all about pulse electromagnetic therapy. And then we have para rider Mia Rodier-Davallo, and the trainer tip will be with international show jumping rider Filippo Pignati. This is Reese Goffler Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Hi, guys. How are you? Uh, yeah, I think we're doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. <laughs> we are doing good. We've had some interesting, um, uh, as always, sometimes Skype does not like to work with us. Technical so issues. A- <laughs> Skypes and cell phones and yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it can, <laughs> it, be, it can be kind of challenging. And, you know, we just, we just laugh and have a good time at the end of the day. We're so happy to be here with you guys. And, um, how's your week been, Phil? You had a horse show, didn't you? Yeah, it's, it's been a a little bit, uh, I mean, I have to teach outside a lot so that there's up and down with the weather. That's, we always kind of start the show with a discussion on the weather because (laughs) it's pretty, it's pretty important in our, in our job. And that's, we're kind of dealing with the weather on a daily basis. Horse show was good. I mean, we had. You know, when we when we shipped the horses in, we were twenty something degrees, and then very quickly it it turned around, and you know, overnight with the frost, and I, this has just been mm. everywhere. Mm. We've got we have got rain, we've <laughs> got sun, we've got rainbows, we've got cold, <laughs> warm. I you know, like what what I was telling um, Paul, what we were talking is just like when when I leave the house in the morning, I just take. Everything that I think I would oh, like, close. lots of yeah. lots of layers, yeah, <laughs> different jackets, you know, and just travel around with with a real uh, chunk of different things. I think I might need gloves, yeah. hats. <laughs> oh, it's it's crazy, yeah. It's crazy. I know, I I have the same, and and you know, I, I uh, Travis, my husband's always like, you have a lot of coats, and I was like, and some days I wear all of them. I need, <laughs> like, them. Yeah, I need, I need them, them all. I need yeah. them every single one. And, and we were saying the same. It, it's just that tricky time of year. And, uh, you know, I know everyone is getting ready to come to the finals in Kentucky. Do not complain to me about the weather in the finals because I know I live <laughs> it. Um, but yeah, it can, it's all over the board right now. And um, we have not had a lot of rain. We're actually really, really need rain. And last night I was actually south of my farm about 45 minutes. So, and, and just, oh, I was soaking wet. I drove home soaking wet and I literally get off the highway at my exit. It's dry. Nothing. We got no rain. Okay. <laughs> and so, and so it, you're living in kind soaked. of a, the whole a bubble. Yeah. Of, and it, of, and of, it's of lack of rain, lack of rain. And we, you know, the summer we had tons of rain, but it's actually a, really a beautiful fall. Like I can't remember the colors being quite as beautiful as they are now. Um, I was thinking so about that on really my cool. drive to drive mm-hmm. to the barn this morning. It was like, you know, you kind of look, look around and you're just like, you know, did, did the colors get turned up or, you know, did yeah. I just start listening, looking at them a little bit more? Or, you know? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, they've been beautiful here. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really gorgeous. And it's, it, 
a lot of brown. Like it, it's mostly more green normally in the in the fall here. Uh, it's really brown and and the paddocks are in terrible shape, but uh, it's actually quite beautiful. So uh, that's been fun, but we're the same. And, and, you know, I, I'm lucky at the moment, we're not horse showing this month. So, um, you know, I've kind of let the horse's bodies just do what they do. Um, and we're blanketing a little bit, but it's, it's really hard to blanket because, you know, the horses go out about four and, you know, it's a way different temperature than 2 a.m. You know, and so we just kind of leave, that's my stance on that. Cause it's just impossible. You just can't, can't do it. So yeah, you'd be rushing um, rushing around and changing blankets every two hours, I think, you know? Yeah, and we still have horses at night turnout because it's still, it's still yeah. they're still nice, you know? So myself, uh, I personally just leave them right now. It will change, uh, you know, Big Mike, when he goes to finals, he'll he'll have to get clipped here in a couple weeks uh, and blanketed and, and that kind of thing. But we kind of leave them as long as we can. They're all a little bit fuzzy right now, and, and it's fine. I just, I just, they're beautiful. Their coats are that beautiful color and uh, we just kind of leave them alone. So that's my stance. And uh, yeah, we've been working hard. I've, you know, really trying to get big Mike ready. And um, we have actually a horse show here this weekend for the dressage horses and the retired racehorse project is going on right now. So I was at the horse park this morning uh, coaching, uh, which I'm so lucky that I get to coach at all these events. Like they're 10 minutes from my house. So uh, I was at the horse park this morning uh, and then we have a dressage show this weekend uh, along with the retired racehorse project. And then next week's a really big event. So it's still a pretty busy two weeks here. And next week I'm excited on and right before the show, actually on Thursday, uh, I'm going to scribe, which I, I always do every year at this show. It's, it's a Thursday. I block into my schedule. You know, obviously volunteers are so important for these horse shows. Cause you know, I don't know where they are, how they are at your house, Phil, but if we don't have volunteers, the horse shows are not going to go on our, the, the horse show uh, staff is getting quite older, you know? So, um, I really yeah, do people like people have to, people have to take up the, the slack and, you know, yeah. of, you know, people kind of slowing down and, and trying to get out of, out of the, their responsibilities and roles that they've probably held. Like I, I was, uh, part of the organizing crew for our local dressage show. And I did 15 years or something like that. And, and yeah. I know people who have been doing it a lot longer than that. And so, yeah, I mean, volunteer with your local club organization, you know, that, that will help keep the horse, the, the, the sports, equine sports healthy and, and supported. And yeah, because otherwise if there's nobody running these things, they, they won't, they won't go anymore. It won't happen. And, yeah. You know, from, this is all about grassroots support. And, uh, I think yeah. that's a good reminder. And I love scribing. I scribing to me is, is my favorite job because you, you are learning. I mean, you can't always look up and see the test, but you're hearing the judges and you're seeing uh, what they're seeing a little bit and you can see why turnout's so important. Like, so if you, if you do get a chance to scribe, it's my favorite job. <laughs> um, no, do I you have to do it on an, on an iPad now? Um, I don't know. I do <laughs> not, I don't think Phil, this particular event, it may though. Cause it's a, it's an FEI. I, I'm not sure. I'll let you know next week. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let us know, what's, that's, what's happening. That's, uh, yeah. The technology aspect of it is, uh, it's kind yeah. of can make it a little bit more challenging. I think right now it's, it's still paper to, to okay. where, where, where it is in the horse park. I, I don't, I doubt that it's, it's not, but you never know. Well, I'll let you know next week and I'll give you some tips that I learned from scribing because it, you know, uh, I only do it once a year. So, uh, but I, I, I always really like it and enjoy it. So, yeah. So I'm really excited about that. Looking forward to it. And, um, 
Yeah, I'll let you know. So that's kind of what we have going on here. Nothing, nothing too exciting right now. It's we're, uh, people are really busy getting ready for the shows, and uh, so we're still quite busy and 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 pushing with the horses. But uh, it's it's good. So nice, pretty nice weather, etc. So uh, we hope you're having a great fall. It's my, I don't know, Phil. It's my favorite season. I love it. I love fall. <laughs> you uh, probably hate it. Yeah, I hate it. I hate Do you? Because it. it's yeah. getting cold. Yeah. And then Grumpy Phil season comes out, everybody. That's right, yeah. If you're new to the show, Grumpy Phil will, will come out about December and not go come back until March. He's <laughs> better. Uh, yeah. It, you're it, usually not so grumpy on the show, but man, when we call you, you're like Grumpy Phil. Oh, it's got, it got winter complaints, right? Oh, I, I, I hey, I, I, I don't have them because I relocate. Because <laughs> you, yeah, yeah, you just run away. I run away and I, I endless summer. So I I'm with you. Anybody that works outside in the cold, it's really, really, really hard. So I, I hear you. So uh grumpy Phil, everybody get ready. It's coming, <laughs> but I love it. Phil, like the horses, I just, I, they all are, are fresh and, and hopefully a good way. And, uh, you know, I don't know. It's cooler. Get a sweater out. I like it. I, if a football, you like football. I just think it's great. I love sweater weather. It's my favorite. I live by an orchard. There's pumpkins. Okay. Phil, everybody feels not going with me. So I hope no. you guys love fall. You can, you can send me an email on how much fall is awesome. Cause I think it's awesome, <laughs> but we have a great show. We'll transition. We've got a really good show today. Uh, and we're going to have a quick commercial break and we'll get right to it. Each week you carefully plan out your horse's training schedule. You work with your trainer to fine tune his flat work. You school through grids to perfect his jump and set up multiple courses to educate your eye. You enjoy long hacks to keep his mind fresh and body strong. Show day arrives. You take a deep breath as you enter the ring. We've got this, you whisper so only he can hear you. You move as one, sailing over each element in perfect harmony. The feeling you get when it all clicks. It's why we do what we do. This feeling is brought to you by Joint Armor. Joint Armor's complete formula provides your horse with the nutrients necessary to support healthy joints throughout his lifetime. Joint Armor maintains fluid motion and flexibility in hardworking joints. It supports normal cartilage development and reduces joint deterioration. Joint Armor provides high levels of both glucosamine and chondroitin, plus 100 milligrams of hyaluronic acid. Best of all, Joint Armor is affordable. One small jar lasts up to 75 days. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Well, tonight we are so excited to have Elaine Polly. She is the MagnaWave president. Welcome to the show, Elaine. Thank you. Thank you so much, Reese. I'm excited to be here. Well, I'm thrilled. And and just so everybody knows up front, I am I, I, a loyal, uh, I have a MagnaWave certificate uh, or I'm a certified practitioner. I did the 25 hour course there for education and I have a MagnaWave and I love it. I use it. Uh, so I'm a huge fan of MagnaWave and the technology. So I wanted everybody to know that up front and I'm thrilled and, and I'm thrilled to have you. And I uh, wanted you to just tell us a little bit about yourself before we get started. Oh, okay. Well, thank you so much for that wonderful introduction. Um, I'm glad that you're happy with your machine. First of all, that's always good to hear. But um, okay, so I am Elaine Polly. I am uh, 38 years old. I live in Louisville. I feel like I'm getting on a dating tag here. Like, let me, not even, you know, <laughs> we, don't, we don't need your Tinder profile. Yeah, we just need your. Uh... Okay, I'm sorry. 
Anyways, <laughs> your experience um, within, mother- yeah, treating animals and, and how that all came about. Yeah, of course, of course, yeah. All right, well, okay, so I'm a mother of three, and I actually got into doing, working with PMF uh, through my father. Um, he actually really was the first PMF practitioner in the United States. Um, he got a machine that was meant for humans and went out, uh, put it in a um, suitcase and rolled it around the backside of uh, different racetracks and started, it re- really became a career of him doing treatments. Um, I was, I'm actually a television producer by trade. I actually started doing that. I went to school for that. Um, I actually did produce uh, parts of the Kentucky Derby for years. And then um, my dad came to me and said, you know, I think I'm going to start designing and selling these machines. And, you know, this is really growing and I need some help. And so I jumped ship, quit my job, and we went in together. Um, his dream was to retire and travel around the United States with my mother, which he's done. He semi-retired for five years. I say semi-retired because he still likes to call me. Um, constantly and tell me what to do and what not to do, but he's excellent and he's still a big part of the company. But, you know, we were able to kind of give ourselves uh, what we wanted while helping him. I love it. Well, first of all, tell us what is PEMF? Okay. So PEMF is pulse electromagnetic frequency. And you'll hear me refer to it as MagnaWave. That is what we call it. Um, obviously, it's a lot easier for me to say it's like MagnaWaving than PEMFing, right? So, like, we call it um, MagnaWave, but it's basically a pulse of electromagnetic field. And um, we're electrical beings. Um, we also have a magnetic field. And one of the things I like to refer to is if the magnetic field of the Earth were to just drop away right now, we would all drop dead. Um, the magnetic field of the Earth and, and the way that our cells communicate is electromagnetic field. So a pul- pulse electromagnetic field is basically a way that we've created um, those, you know, fields that the earth creates and our body creates and made them into a therapeutic um, device. So we've taken those same pulses and similar pulses to our body and the earth, and we put them into a machine that actually our body recognizes those pulse of electromagnetic fields and can use them. And even animals, horses, especially, they love it. Large animals, small animals, they have the same things. They're cellular beings. They're, they're like, they have electromagnetic fields. That's how their cells communicate. So we're taking a pulse of an electromagnetic field and putting it into the body for therapy. So Elaine, we've had such great success with our horses. Can you talk a little bit about how the treatment works with horses and, and the machines? And tell us a little bit about the basic one-on-one on that one. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, when you're putting the uh, magnetic energy from the PMF into the body, it, it allows to the body to improve healing. And when I say that, if your cells are functioning correctly, your body is going to function correctly. And what, what we see is a lot of times where there's injury and where there's swelling and there's inflammation or just overall issues such as, I mean, anything, it, it could be any, an infection. What's happening there is there's cellular damage. There's, there's issues going on in the body that the body's struggling to heal. So what we do is we put a pulse of electromagnetic field into the body. We, begin, we use the magnet wave to do that. And what that does is it gives the electromagnetic energy to those cells. Now, am I going to sit here and say that MagnaWave is like the cure-all, end-all, be-all for horses? Absolutely not. But what is, is the horse's own bodies. So what we find is that when we give the tools to the cells through putting the electromagnetic energy in, the horse is able to heal itself in a way that it wouldn't have been able to before. So a lot of the things that we see are you know, broken bones, um, any type of muscle injury, infections. I mean, even um, I'm trying to think of very specific ones, but where there are serious issues where even we they couldn't get a wound to heal, for example. We'll go and treat the animal, and not only does it heal, but it heals faster than it ever would has 
you know, have they had any healing before? So it's really not the machine as much as we're giving the electromagnetic energy to the cells that they need to heal. And a lot of times there's a lot of outside factors that can make it that those horses aren't able to heal. And we're just able to give them the power to do so, if that, if that makes sense. So it really isn't one indication, I guess is what I'm saying. So many people are like, name the five things that it helps with. And I want to say, well, I don't, I would have to a trouble naming five things that it, that it doesn't help with. Like there is so many things that we've just been amazed to see that when the body has the right tools, the horses perform better. They are, you know, they heal faster. It's amazing. So, uh, you know, I'm kind of new to all this stuff. Does this stimulate circulation? You know, because it's not just, a, I, I don't think it's just a case of, of putting electricity into, into the horse, you know, can you maybe. Right. No, it's not electricity. Right. Right. So it's a magnetic field. So electricity, you think of like a tinned unit, right? You think of something that, that is, is um, electrical. Where with magnetic field, what we're doing is it's, it's not as intensive as electricity. So what actually is happening, the magnetic fields help to increase electrolytes and ions in the body. I mean, I could go down very, very far into how that those natural influence on electrical changes on a cellular level can help cellular metabolism. It can help the body function better. But in terms of increasing, um, like increasing blood flow, it's not going to increase it, but it will improve it. So a lot of times people are looking for, is this going to, you know, increase the blood flow? Like if, so, if for example, and I'm going to use humans, if in a human, if there's a blood clot, you don't want to increase blood flow, right? But in, in any animals, like if you can improve blood flow, so making the blood, you know, flow easier, which means it functions better, the body functions better, that's what we're doing. We aren't making it more, we're making it optimal. Yeah, that makes sense. And so tell us, you know, there's a wide range of machines out there, right? So, you know, is one better than the other? Or, you know, if you have a practitioner come in, like, how can you gauge that? Because I think that's kind of confusing, right? Oh, it's extremely confusing for everybody. And I think one of the things that's very amazing with PMF and, and especially with the manual machines is that you don't have to really believe anything that I'm saying on this uh, to you all. I just, you know, if you've not tried PMF on your horse, I challenge you to try it because the way that they respond is truly the best part. Like watching a horse, even horses, I've had people tell me this horse is, I mean, this horse is mean. It's going to bite you. He's horrible, whatever. And I've gotten in there and I've eased my way in. And at the end of the session, they're laying on, like this horse is laying their head on me. And they're, they're, a lot of times the owners, the trainers are like, that's amazing. Now, I'm not going to say that every time, but majority of the time they love it. So reality is you want to find the machine that meets your needs. So all of the machines are going to do that, right? They're all going to make a horse feel good. What our machines really range from is time um, and your goals. So like the smaller machines that we have in our line, um, you're going to have to do longer treatments. So instead of um, a 30-minute treatment, you may do 45 to even an hour uh, because you can't turn it up as high, but you will still get a result from that horse where they are relaxing, they are releasing, they are enjoying the session. Uh, but when it comes to the larger machines, you know, if you're running a business, time is money. So if you're running a business and you're at a horse show and you want to treat 12 horses that day, you're going to need a machine that can do that, right? So we have things like the Julian Duo, which is probably our largest, most popular machine for businesses because it has two machines in one case. Runs about $19,000. You treat the legs and the body at the exact same time. So you're cutting a 30-minute session down to 15, um, session 15 to 20 minutes. You could do the whole body and the legs 
all while you're in there and you're able to really get through and give the same attention that you would with a smaller machine. So if you're just treating your own animals, you can use one of the smaller machines. Um, and then as your business grows, we do have a trade-in program. So people will either buy this for themselves and then upgrade as they do more horses or buy it for a business and get the right one that meets their needs for what their goals are in their business. Yeah. And I think that was what was cool about, you know, working with MagnaWave because uh, I was able to find the machine. I have a smaller machine that I love because it's easy for us to take to competitions. It's easy. You know, we can pull it out. We use it every day on, and, and pretty much every horse in the barn gets a level of treatment depending on, on what they're doing. I've had really good success with back problems and tummy problems. Um, that has been, mm-hmm. you know, we're able to, we have it set up that the, that the machine's right by where we clean tack. <laughs> so, you know, it works yeah. really well, you know, so we were able to, to give the horses what they need. But, um, so we've been really, really thankful for the machine and the horses really, once they get used to it, they're really, really pleased about it. And they stand very still, uh, which is nice. And they lick and they chew and they nap. And, um, that's been pretty fun to watch them over time, learn exactly what's going on. And then they'll kind of position themselves like, Oh, put it over here, mm-hmm. <laughs> which has been really, really yeah. cool. And I've been, been very thankful. And, I think the other thing that I was very pleased with MagnaWave as a company was there was a lot of education. So can you talk a little bit about that? Because I felt like if I own this machine, I should at least do the certification. So I know exactly what I'm doing and and I still don't know. And I have great people to call when I have questions, but can you talk a little bit about the education? Cause I think that's really important. Well, yeah, because education is the key. I mean, like you can't, um, you can't, we can't just give someone a machine and they put it on the animal and they don't understand what they're doing. They're not going to get optimal results, right? And that was something my dad was very passionate about. He would actually travel and do all of the education. And it was, and so one of the things that I, I really wanted to embody is give that same amount of personal service and that personal education to everyone that buys a machine from us. Because the reality is, if you can get optimal results, you are going to use this machine and love this machine for longer. Um, so what we've done is we've created not just an equine training, we've expanded it. We have small animals, we have livestock, we have personal use. So we really run the gamut on how to use this machine from, you know, the anatomy, where to place it. We also have a very great app, which I'm very proud of, which it has every indication. So if you're like wondering, how would I treat colic, right? You can go in there after you're certified, you get the app. It's one time fee of 25 bucks. And you're able to search colic and see what our recommendation is on how to use the machine. So we never want you to be like second guessing on what to do and how to use it. But once you get into a rhythm, like you said, you figure it out and the horses figure it out. They'll move their bodies, push up against you on where they want you to move the coil. And you kind of get your own rhythm. You get that confidence. But gaining that confidence for using that machine is key. And the only way we can do that is by educating people to not be afraid to use it, but also know how to use it and when to use it. And I would say, um, you know, you said tummy issues earlier. I think the most amazing stories I hear about colic when there's a, you know, a a horse that has a colic issue and, you know, maybe this horse is, they're going to put the horse down or or not going to make it. You know, the vet says, whatever, do whatever you want. This is nothing you can help. And within like 45 minutes or sometimes two sessions over a day, they're up. Right. And that's amazing. Right. Right. Exactly. No, it's been very, very helpful. And um, it's just, it's just a good tool to have around. Um, and like you said, the app's great. It's super easy to use. Cause as we all know, I am not very technology oriented um, and it, it is very mm-hmm. helpful. And there's also a really, really good Facebook group that you're, you can be in. Right. Yeah. And and that's been really helpful because people throw up a question and then usually within a couple minutes, there's somebody that will answer back, which is great. 
Yeah, and one of the things we do with our training is that we require people to, to continue do continuing education every year. We don't just sell you a machine and say, hey, good luck. Take this, you know, four-hour YouTube video and good luck with it, right? Like, I right. really want to provide that service where people get um, the education. And then what I'm learning, what we're learning as PMF is evolving, because my family, we're not completely, but just manually, we are in the human line. We have research studies. We're um, working on maybe possibly starting a study at the Mayo Clinic. So we have so many things going on. But all of that research translates into information that can benefit you and even your animal as you move forward with the machine. So we want to make sure that we stay on the cusp of training you and keeping you up to date on what's going on. No, it's fantastic. So how can people find more information about MagnaWave and PEMF online? Okay, so we have a website, obviously. If you don't, where are you? The same age. But anyway, <laughs> so our website is MagnaWave, um, you know, MagnaWave, M-A-G-N-A-W-A-V-E, and then PEMF.com. So MagnaWave, PEMF.com. There's a ton of information on there. Um, if you are just interested in PMF, you want to see research articles, you want to, you know, interact with people that aren't, you know, I'm very brand specific, machine specific, obviously, but there's also a group, it's called the Association of PEMF Professionals. Um, that website is PEMFprofessionals.com. That's an excellent resource for you to go to and see unbranded information if you want to just learn about PMF and not hear it, you know, don't want to take my word for it. There is great information there. There's great people there um, that you can actually learn a lot of information for all about PMF and, you know, across the board. Fantastic. Well, Elaine, thank you so much. It's a great company. I've been so thrilled with my, my machine and uh, we're so glad we had you on tonight. All right. Well, thank you so much. It was great being with you. Have you ever wondered how to keep your horse sound and how to prevent future lameness issues? Have you had to deal with abscesses, stone bruises, laminitis, navicular, or soft tissue damage in the hoof capsule? Or maybe you're a farrier and you want to learn how top vets around the world diagnose and treat various hoof care issues. The Humble Hoof is a podcast for both owners and professionals discussing the health of the hoof and soundness of your horse. Check us out, published twice a month on Horse Radio Network. Well, tonight, it is a real honor to have the 2022 National Para Dressage Champion on, Mia Rodier Develo. Hi, Mia. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you guys so much for having me. How did I do with your name? You, I give you an A flat. That was amazing. Oh. Thank you. Oh, oh, I love it. I love it. Well, oh. I know. Phil, Phil's laughing because I never get an A plus on names. So I'm very, I'm very excited. <laughs> so <laughs> Mia, you and I met very quickly um, this summer. You are a student of Patty Mayer, who's also a great friend of mine and a friend of uh, Phil's and the friend of the show. And uh, we had Patty's horse, Cato, here in Kentucky. He flew here. And you and your husband picked him up and took him to try on. So I met you. Yeah. It was like a, literally a two-minute conversation. But it was so nice to, uh, to follow you. Well, I, I, you know, hopefully I had a hay, didn't have hay in my hair. You never know. But uh, we're, we're, we're so thankful that you were able to, to come. So, Mia, tell us a little bit about yourself uh, for the start of our interview. Yeah, well... So, I mean, I don't know what there is to say about me. I'm busier than, than I could ever imagine. And um, I'm from California, and I like to represent the West Coast in dressage and paradressage because I know that the East Coast is where all, all the wonderful things happen. And um, I'm a grade two paradressage rider, and I'm in contention for um, Paris 2024, and if I am to succeed in that goal, I would be the first ever person of color to represent USA Dressage or Paradressage in that event. 
And my best friend slash horse is named Pudding. And we're we're trying to make the dream come true. <laughs> I love it. Well, tell us about Pudding. Yeah, so Pudding, um, that's his bond name, of course. He, it's sort of like a very, he's a very dichotomous kind of guy. He is like this big, great, majestic creature. So I think it's kind of ironic that his his bond name is Pudding. I call him Tiny. Um, (laughs) He, he's, I mean, the first time I met him, it was like nothing I've ever felt in my entire life. We, you know, I rode him and then we got into the car and it was so quiet. And my husband was like, um, are you okay? You're never quiet. <laughs> and I was like, I like started crying. I was like, oh my gosh, he's so special. I've never met another horse like him. And um, the rest is history. Now we've done the selection trials for the world championships and we won the national championships and we're, we're nominated for the against all odds award for FEI. So he's, you know, I owe him, a, like, I'm indebted to him for life. For I'm so grateful for him. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about how you got into riding and, you know, when that started and then when you started to be, uh, you know, have the competitive bug. Yeah, absolutely. So um, my first memory of my entire life was on the back of a horse. I'm sure that all horse people can kind of relate to that. I feel like it's sort of, like, you know, you can have generational trauma. I feel like you can also have generational memories almost. Um, so I come from a long line of hundreds or thousands of years of horse people. Um, my dad, he's, he's from Iran and he ran a business where he used horses for work, like for carriages, taxis, that sort of thing. And so I think I was born to be a writer. You know, you, you got to catch the bug at some point in your life. Maybe I caught it before I was born. Um, so my first memory was on the back of a horse and I was two years old. So like literally the first thing I remember of my whole life. And I remember when it was time to dismount, they were like, okay, time to get off. And I was like, no, <laughs> no, never. <laughs> so that in that moment, I knew like, this is what I want my life to be. This is what I want my life to look like. This, like, this is what I need. So essentially for, for the decades since then, I sort of chased this dream and like followed this goal. And this year, for the first time in my entire life, I have horses of my own. I have three horses, three young horses. And it kind of feels like after so much time of of longing and working and all the blood, sweat, and tears put into it, it feels like I'm, I don't know, whole almost. I don't know. It's kind of cliche, but I feel like that's totally how I feel. <laughs> Yeah. So, no, that's phenomenal. That That's yeah. phenomenal that you have more horses coming up. So tell us, you know, you went to Lamplight, you won the national championship. I mean, this was amazing. So, <laughs> so what happens next? Yeah. So, um, it seems like once you, they say change happens slowly and then all at once. And I feel like that's totally true. So our goals, of course, are for the 2024 Paris Paralympics. And leading up to that, our goal is to compete all over the country, ideally, as well as Canada and Mexico. Um, We don't have a lot of CPEDIs or para-international competitions in the States. And then, of course, to really ramp it up, we would love the experience of learning and competing in Europe. So we hope to raise money to do that as well. And we uh, are hoping to qualify for a CPDI hosted by the Qatar government in Doha, Qatar. And 
keep on rolling with the punches. Sometimes you have no idea what comes next, but, but we go with the flow and we're, we're happy and excited for whatever comes next. I was going to ask you about the uh, FEI award that, uh, that you're up for and, uh, you know, what is that all about? Yeah, thank you for asking. So I'm a finalist. I was nominated and now I'm a finalist for the FEI Against All Odds Award. And it is an award given to um, people who inspire change or who are underdogs or people who have have gone through something to get where they are now. And um, I'm the only U.S. writer in the category. And of course, I'm honored to be a finalist along with three other people in my category. It's, I mean, it's unbelievable and surreal and wonderful. And if I win, then I get to accept an award in, in Cape Town, South Africa, which is so cool. I've never been to Cape Town, South Africa. That would be the coolest thing ever. And I'm proud to represent underdogs everywhere. I feel like, you know, I've always felt different in this sport a little bit, and I've always had to sort of DIY my way to where I am now, um, along with so many other people who have. And it feels good to to have the support of fellow underdogs, and 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 it takes a village to get you to where you are. And there's like a million different people who have gotten me even to the point of being nominated, let alone being a finalist for the FBI Against All Odds Award. The voting ends on October 16th. And people can go, if they so choose, to fei.org slash awards and vote for one person in each category. And I'm so thankful for FEI putting a spotlight on paradressage overall, USA paradressage. I feel like we're really getting a lot more visibility now, which is so important. Like representation is important. Visibility is important. And it's something that that is finally happening. And I'm, I'm really grateful for that. Oh, it's fantastic. And, and Mia, you're also doing a fundraiser at Patty's, right? Tell us about that. Yes. Um, so Patty Mayer, my coach, who is, I mean, I have her to thank for essentially everything. She's, you know, the reason I have my horses. She is the reason why I have any idea what I'm doing. <laughs> she is hosting fundraisers for me um, to raise funds to achieve my goals of competing in Europe and training costs and everything that I would need to, to make the end goal of Paris 2024. I mean, as we all know, the sport is so expensive and prohibitively expensive for so many. And um, regardless of that, being disabled, um, just being a disabled human is so much more expensive than being an able-bodied human. So when you mix that with dressage, (laughs) (laughs) Um, you definitely need all the help you can get, or at least I do. We have an amazing community of people. It's a real grassroots effort of people coming together, donating, you know, anything they can, $25, $100, more, um, less, whatever it is. It's it's a massive group of people coming together to make this dream come true. And it just, it's amazing what Patty has done for me. So Mia, tell us if, if we can't make it to the fundraiser, um, how do we, how do we find you online? How can we help you if we were able? Yes, thank you for asking. So if people want to donate, but they can't make it to the actual event, that's totally okay. There's two methods in which people can donate. And the first way is that people can make a donation to my GoFundMe, or if they so choose, they can make a 501c3 tax-deductible donation to me through Southern California Equestrian Sport. It's an organization that makes it so that 
equestrian athletes in Southern California can, can have an easier way for people to donate to them and have it be tax deductible, which has made a world in change of change in, in making donations. So Mia, for our listeners that want to help you, how can they find you online? Yeah, so they can find me on Instagram and Facebook. My handle is at M like mouse, I A R O D like dog, I E R D like dog, A W A L L O. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Mia. Yeah, thank you. Well, tonight I am so excited to have my friend, my neighbor, and international show jumper, Filippo Pignati, on the show. Welcome, Filippo. Good evening. Well, truly, you and I have become friends, and we are working together on a number of horses. And um, it's been so fun because um, you are an international rider from Italy, and you jump the the international Grand Prix at WEF and all the big jumps. But we uh, have a partnership now, which has been so fun with the horses in learning what you need as a show jumper and as a rider uh, and, and what dressage does for you. So, um, Filippo, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and, and your riding history. My name is uh, Filippo Spignatti. I come from Italy. I am 41. I moved in this country 10 years ago. I have a sponsor, which I have had for the past seven years. We started with a small number of horses, young horses, five and six years old. And uh, slowly in these years, these horses have, have moved up and they had success jumping young horses championship. And now they are starting to jump to get their feet wet in, in the international scene here in America. Yeah. And you jump big jumps. When I look next that? door, <laughs> the jumps are very big, everybody. I'm just telling you. But uh, so, Filippo, tell it's us a little bit. Of, it's true. <laughs> I think they're very big, but I think a Cavaletti's big, so it's all relative. But um, Filippo, tell us a little bit. You come from Italy, but you also come from a horse family, right? Yes, I do. In fact, uh, my mom has a pony riding cool in Italy. Um, she's uh, mostly doing mounted games right now, but back in the days when she started, she had a jumping riding uh, school. I always grew up uh, around horses. I was five when my mom brought me to ride for the first time, and I think I never got off a horse ever since. I moved to Belgium when I was in my 30s. I went to work for Nelson uh, Pessoa, and after a few months, I got an offer to come work here in America for another Brazilian rider, Paulo Santana. So I jumped on the on the wagon, and I and I came here, and I never left. Mm-hmm. So tell us when, you know, when did you really start learning sort of the scale of dressage training and, and how important dressage was also in the show jumping? Well, I always had the feeling that what, what most riders around me 
and uh, myself were uh, were lacking was the basics how to how to train horses to do simple command simple movement correctly um i always thought that jumping in italy was a little bit more improvised a little bit more of a of a trick system where where the training uh, horses wasn't the main focus and i've always been um interested in uh, learning more like how to properly train a horse and watching the very famous show jumpers they all have a good dressage base and they all talk about it same as the same as the most famous trainers like they they focus their attention on flat work and on work over poles uh, and cabaletti is more than jumping big courses. So um, this is how it all started to get together in my head. Like, how do I get better training the horses and learning the basic flat work? And luckily, I met Reed, which is our, uh, our neighbor here in, uh, in uh, Georgetown. We started working at together last year i was having problems with my main horse which now is in he's a nine years old he's just moving up in a meter uh, 50 grand prix and he was always a little dull and cold at my legs and Reese just helped me find the key to unlock more of his uh, potential and that's how it all I think it, t- it takes time to develop, you know, all of the skills that you uh, that you need or that you would like to have. So, Reese, maybe you can tell us a little bit about, um, you know, what specific tools that uh, that the show jumpers would like to have to make their show jumping better. Yeah. So I, I think when when Filippo and I, you know, chatted, we were chatting over the fence, and and actually, I think Filippo, you came over one day because it was raining really hard. And uh, I have an indoor and you guys have a beautiful outdoor outdoor riding field and outdoor track, but it's all outside. So I think you came over one day and we just started talking about sort of training horses, right? And 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 what was important in training a horse. And really, you know, Filippo has such beautiful athletes and um, really talented horses. But you know, really stopping, turning, the horses have to turn so fast because, and, and, and Felipe, you could tell them more, but, you know, sometimes a couple seconds will knock them from, you know, first place to set to third place or, or so, so the ability of being fast and turning and accurate is so important in, in the show jumping. So the horses have to be really on the aids. They don't necessarily, we were talking about that today, like they don't necessarily have to be on the bit like we want them on the bit because they have to be able to stretch their noses out, which I thought was interesting today. We changed the frame a little bit, but, you know, being able to have the horses that much on the eight, I think was, was really important, right? Filippo. So, so we work a lot on that, right? That the horses are in front of the aids, um, that they are able to turn on the line that he needs that, for example, uh, that they don't fall one direction or the other, because that's, you know, if they're falling in, in the dressage ring <laughs> and he's got to go at speed, 
uh, you know, he's going galloping and they fall, like it's a much bigger problem. So I think those are some of the things that we work on specifically. Um, and just, just reaction, you know, if, if just the basic stop, go move sideways, uh, but that gets that much harder as, as the courses get, get bigger. So Filippo, do you have anything to add about, you know, what you need specifically as the show jumper and, and what we're, we've been working on? Sure. I think uh, dressage is uh, key to develop a show jumper. It's not only about steering faster or like having a better control. It's also for me about having the horse um, more uh, performing as an athlete where uh, dressage uh, um, helps the horse um, develop his body as an athlete better. Yeah, I think, you know, there's there are probably so many things. I mean, I don't ride international show jumpers or anything, but you can see from the ground, I've, you know, watched a lot of show jumping competitions, the, the horses and riders that, you know, are more of a partnership and then the ones that don't have that sort of balance and training that the horses want to work for their rider. I think that might be a, an important part, at least for me, you know, kind of seeing, you know, what does a successful show jumping partnership, how does that get made? It for sure is. In fact, uh, it's always about a tenth of a, of a second difference in between winning or being second or, uh, or uh, third. So having that special bond where your horse, where you think to turn uh, tighter and move forward and your horse follows you that's where i think dressage is really helping jumper uh, horses so filippo i think it's becoming more and more popular for show jumpers to use dressage trainers can you talk a little bit about that i think that's for for anybody right not just international riders but um there's so many show jumpers that can can use the help of dressage trainers absolutely in fact, when I when I speak to friends uh, in Italy or in uh, Europe, and I tell them that I am working with a professional dressage trainer to help me better understand how to fix problems, uh, they seem more and more interested um, about it. And I think this is gonna slowly um, get into everyone's mind where. Again, flat work is the key for for success, even in the jumper ring. I think you know, um, I've I've experienced teaching some eventers, but not really show jumpers. Um, I guess because they they kind of force the eventers to do a dressage test before they are allowed out on on course or, or something like that. But I'm sure the more success that brings a rider will be, you know, will increase in the popularity of of working with. Uh, dressage trainer. I think, Reese, this question is for you. M- maybe working with a show jumper, you don't have to be quite so strict. You can be a little bit more forgiving. That 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 could probably be helpful for a trainer. Yeah, I think that's that's a good point, right? Like I've I've been lucky enough, um, and and working with an international rider as well. Like Filippo and I can have a dialogue of what he needs and what's important to him. So that we were, we, I did talk about that in the beginning, like today I was riding one of his horses and we were working on the frame. And for me as a dressage rider, I would have wanted him a little bit um, rounder in his frame, but 
Filippo, you can talk about that. Like you, you were saying, no, he needs to be a little bit longer in the frame and, and that's, that's good for you. Right. So there are some differences for sure. Yes. In fact, uh, I understood Reese's point, like the horse was stretching his, his, uh, his top line, not to the point where the horse would have been low, but still he wasn't high with his pole, but I explained her that from my point of view, that's not a bad training because I feel that when a horse jumps a big oxer, for example, or a tall vertical coming from a long gallop, the horse needs to be able to stretch across his body and even open his nose at the top of the of the jump in order to being able to release the back. I think that's been, that's been the good part. Right. So I, I don't know that. Right. So that's it. it I, I did very little jumping when I was a kid. Um, but that is helpful because that is how we want to train the horses. Like at the end of the day, my job is to help Filippo do his job better. So I think that that dialogue is important. And I mean, that's when you're working together, you know, Phil, you also work with other trainers. It's a little bit different when you are working with a international rider, you know, our, again, it's more of a team approach. So I think that that's important. And, and it's the same with the horses, you know, how can we help them the most do their job efficiently? So I think dressage, you know, as we know, means training. And, and so at the end of the day, my job is to help train the horses to be more efficient and better at their ultimate job. Um, so I think that's the cool part about dressage and training, uh, other disciplines like Phil, you mentioned with the vendors, it's the same concept, right? Is, is it's constantly trying to make the horses better for the show jumping and the, and also the cross country. So, um, you know, I find it fun and fascinating. Uh, it's not so that the circle, you know, the circles have to be round and ge- correct geometry in the sense of the horses can't be falling to the inside leg, for example. Um, so that's something that we work on is like, just make sure you know where you're going so that the horses are, are in, in the correct alignment. So, um, and I, I, Filippo, you can talk about it too, but I think that's been the fun part about from my perspective as a dressage coach is figuring out how I can help him the most. So I may have to change my approach a little bit. Um, but I think that's, that's kind of the fun part of training horses, right? At the end of the day. I agree. It's all about bonding and, uh, and, uh, becoming your horse best friend and, uh, and partner, especially when you are competing, no matter what's the discipline. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you're speaking about a, a, a collaboration of efforts to, you know, get, get to the desired result, which is. Um, you know, for any competitive person, it's it's about being at the top of the leaderboard, and and you know if you can collaborate and to help that happen, it, it's all it's all positive, right? And uh, and you know I kind of like these little you know these projects where you know I did get uh, sent a jumper that needed to learn dressage flying changes, you know, like he knew flying changes, but then you know I could just you know I kind of explain it to the the owner and 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 her rider and, and whatever and, and then just this this is if that is your goal like a dressage change i can i can teach that to the horse and i can explain it to you and then hopefully we can you know we can have the result of of a balanced flying change and and that's gonna 
that's going to help. But you can't just, um, you know, you're not starting from square one is what I'm trying to say is that like you, you don't have to learn canner, walk canner and get, you know, to get it perfect. Uh, you're not, you know, you, you need correct basics, but you can sort of skip along that program a little bit with an experienced rider, which is of, of great, of great benefit and, uh, and a good co- collaboration can happen. No. And, and I think that's exactly right. At the end of the day, like, especially with international horses. And I think we all learn that is, um, you, you really have to be open to, to working with all kinds of, of, of professionals. Right. I, I like to think of it like Michael Phelps, he has all kinds of coaches to teach him to swim. And it's the same thing. Like I'm just a, a, in, in any dressage rider that works with show jumpers, right? We're just a little piece of the puzzle to make the horses that much more rideable for what Filippo needs them to do. So, um, I do think it's, it's fun and, and it's been, it's been a fun collaboration. We, we, we have fun working horses together. Um, and, and it's been an interesting collaboration. Um, so I think for show jumpers, right. Um, that's, that's where, um, I think it's moving that way. Isn't it Filippo that a lot more show jumpers work with dressage people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, Filippo, if our listeners want to follow along and see your progress in the horses, how can they find you? I am on Instagram and on uh, Facebook, <laughs> even though I'm not, I'm not big into social media. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Well, you can see a little bit maybe of uh, the fall here in Kentucky. It's been really beautiful. So Filippo, thank you so much for, for coming. We have to tell everyone uh, Filippo's phone wouldn't work. So he's actually sitting in my living room <laughs> right now. So <laughs> you were a thank good you sport. for having me. <laughs> <laughs> You're good sport. We don't have apparently Counts great cell phone here. service. Yeah, we don't have good cell phone service in uh, in our neighborhood apparently. So uh, thanks for coming and and working with us. It was fun. Thank you. Well, as always, everybody, feel free to send us any emails or Facebook shoutouts. We love them. We check them. And if you have anything you want us to cover, we're happy to do that. You can Actually, find us. Yeah. Sorry. 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 I know I just uh, ruined your flow, but um... you did. <laughs> I did. I did remember an email that I got, and that um, uh, if if everybody remembers, last week we were talking to a TD, which in Canada we I call them stewards, and uh, and that TD sort of kind of mentioned that they are looking at the rules around bits and actually uh, changing the classification of the French link. And oh, so then, yeah. then I took this little piece of knowledge, and I said, I, I don't know, but I know who who I can ask. And at the horse show, I went up to the steward. I said, you know, what's going on with this, you know, with the bits and the and the illegal, not legal um, of a French link? Because it, you know, as awesome. I was growing up, that was basically the bit that everybody, you know, uh, very accepted dressage bit. But yes. and what she said is that there's some some engineering going on in in bit companies in which they are engineering the angles and and then uh, and, and things that cause what what you would look at as being a typical French link connection bit and, and sort of engineering them so they work differently, more like a dock bristle which has a flat piece but doesn't doesn't lie flat across the tongue. Yes, and so they've like they have a tough job because they've constantly be got to be on top of you know, the newly designed bits that are coming out and whatever. So just keep attention 
to the rules about what bits are legal and what bits are not legal. And and again, you can ask your coach, you can look at the pictures that are provided in the USEF. Yeah, website. Yeah. That's a great one. So uh, I, I mean, I don't have more information to tell you than that. But again, they're always kind of um, trying to stay on top of it. And, and as a rider, you can stay on top of it. Or uh, you can get to the show, show them your bet before you ride, you know, before attacking up or whatever and say, I just wanted to double check to make sure that this is legal and that they will say, yep, nope. Or, um, you know, I'll, uh, I'll confer with the, the rules. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, and again, I, I love that because really the TD stewards, uh, they are there to help. And I think so many people, forget that concept. And they think, oh, you know, I don't want to get in trouble with the TD. They really are there to help you. So uh, again, you're better off to go ask, can I use this bit? Is it legal? Because there are a lot of new bits coming out all the time. And sometimes they're pending and it's just good to check. So you don't get eliminated. It's tricky. Yeah, it is. It is. And with all the new companies, and again, you know, you see a new hot bit that comes out and you think, oh, I want to try that. Uh, it's always good to check and see if it's legal because because that sometimes it is not. So right. I think that's really, really good. So awesome. Well, that is great. That's what we love to hear. Uh, and again, those TDs are great. Susan Moran, she she also got uh, somebody that reached out and uh, she loved it. And and again, that's what we're all here for. Uh, we're really all here as a community uh, to, to help. And uh, and that's how TDs are. They're, they're really actually lovely people and they really, really want to help. So um, we hope they, we can but, but they have to be they have to be yeah. sticklers as far as you know of course yeah they are the rules leeway. at the end There's of the day not much leeway in the rules i mean you know right so they can just help us interpret them so use them in 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 a nice way to to help you get what you need and if you have questions or concerns that's what they're there for and they can always help you more pre prior to than after after stuff, then then they're going to say, well, you should have read the rules or asked or whatever. So they can always help ahead of time. So absolutely. I hope that helps everybody. All right, Phil, can I, can I close her up for the day? Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. I just, <laughs> uh, the last, uh, last minute jump in. Yeah. <laughs> I Talk love it. I love it. Bits. Yeah. Yep. And that's coming December 1st. So that's coming down the pike pretty soon. So, um, well, as always, everybody, you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. I think the best way to find me is probably through Facebook or my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors for allowing us to put on a good show. That's Kentucky Performance Products. If you'd like to support our show and the Horse Radio Network, you can do that through the auditor program found at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back, and we will talk to you next week. 